Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Andrew Haas. All right, good morning, church. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the young adult leaders here. With that, let's get started. This is my 10-minute warning. When this is gone, I get 10 more minutes. (laughs) Church, the devil has to go. He absolutely has to go. You see, most of us, we let squatters on our property. Jesus served the devil of eviction notice years ago on the cross, and today we still let him harass us. And what we need to learn is that there is a time to do battle with the devil, and there is a time to get him off of your property. How would you feel if you woke up in the morning and you saw this tent outside on your lawn? You'd probably go knock on the tent and say, who's in there? And what if the devil popped his head out? Would you just let him sit in there? No, you'd say, hey, get off my property. You don't have authority here. You see, many times we allow the enemy to harass us. We allow him to harass us in our marriage. We allow him to harass us in our finances. We allow him to harass us at work. And you know what? We need to, we need to stand upon the blood-bought ground because death has been swallowed up in life. And today, we can stand upon the blood-bought ground that Jesus did. Can I get an amen? amen. Church, we've, we've got, we're moving into a time, we're moving into a time when the enemy, he has to go. He has to go. Church, that one was for free. All right. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about, we're going to continue our uh, sermon, our series rather on seasons, and the flagship scripture for this is Ecclesiastes 3, Um, the scriptures are Ecclesiastes 3. Um, Before we jump into that, I want to lay down a little bit of groundwork, things that we need to understand prior to uh, really discussing principles about seasons. So in uh, Luke 12, uh, 56, let me give you a little background on this before we read the scripture. Um, The Sadducees, Pharisees, and the scribes of the day, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, um, um, show us a sign. Show us a sign. We want to see a sign that you're actually the son of God. And so understand that Jesus, the son of God, he has an opportunity to display his power to the sons of men and cause them to believe. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he does something very particular. Okay? Let's read Luke 12, 56. He says, Jesus rebukes them and says, You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why did you not analyze this present time? So what did Jesus do? He literally just contrasted the natural earthly seasons with the spirit. You see, there are spiritual seasons that we all go through. And think about the season that, was, that uh, Jesus was in at that time. There was no greater pivotal moment in the history of humanity or spiritual season, if you would, than the one that Jesus uh, walked through here on this earth. The season that Jesus was in, the spiritual season, was the turning point for humanity, where he bought humanity back. It was a special spiritual season. So he, he rebukes these guys and he says, hey, you, you know how to uh, discern the, spirit, the, the things in the natural sky, but you don't know how to analyze the spirit. 
or you don't know how to analyze that there's a spirit. Church, the Bible calls, uh, says that we're made up of three particular things. It says we have a spirit, that we have a soul, and that we have a body. How do you know? Like if I asked this question, I said, hey, how do you know that it's summertime? Like just, like that seems really stupid, right? But if I asked you that question, I said, how do you know it's summertime? And, and let me just say this. What if, I, what if I said, okay, you can't use your eyes, you can't use your ears, you can't use your smell, you can't use your touch, and what's the final one? I, there's five senses, I can't. Yes. So you can't use any of your five senses, right? How would you know it was summertime? You wouldn't, right? You wouldn't. See, so your body, and go, go back and break up how your body knows that it's summertime is because your senses are telling you that it's summertime, right? Well, how do we know what's going on in the spirit? How do we know what spiritual season that we're walking through? Well, the Bible says that we have a spirit. So 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So, 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 listen, so listen to this. What we're going to be talking about today are spiritually discerned. And it's foolishness to people that, don't have, or that are not born again. What you, have to be, you have to understand that God says you can appraise the spiritual seasons. Let's keep reading. It says, For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. God says that you are able to, through the senses of your spirit, appraise the season that we are in. You understand? You're following me? See, we, we, we have the ability. Let me ask you this. If you were not able to, so Jesus he goes back and he's, he's telling these people, you're not, able, you're not able even to analyze the, right, the, the spiritual season that's going on right now. What would, what, how would you feel, okay, or what would it look like, okay, if I, if you saw me outside my lawn, okay, and I had, uh, I had, and I was mowing my lawn, and I had winter boots on, I had a winter hat on, winter gloves, big old fur coat, and you saw me mowing my lawn, right? He'd be like, that dude does not know that it's summertime, right? That's what you'd say. So many times, that's exactly what happens, and that's exactly what happened here in the spirit, is, is that there was a season, a spiritual season that was coming to pass, and these people were completely oblivious to it. Now let me ask you this. What if it was wintertime? I was completely oblivious to it was wintertime, and I walk outside in my shorts, and flip-flops, I'm going to be defeated by the winter time because I have not discerned that it's winter time. Church, there's a spiritual season that we're living in. There's always a spiritual season that we're living in. And if you do not correctly assess the spiritual season that you're living in, you will be unprepared. You will be caught off guard. You will be uncomfortable. And you might even miss what's going on. Amen? So let's, before, before we get in, so, I, so is everybody following me there? Do I need to explain that? Okay. So let's go to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says, there is an appointed time for everything. So the word, the, the word appointed, it has this uh, context. So understand the word appoint, appointed has a context of time. There's time involved in it. If, if there's an appointment... What is always involved in an appointment? An appointee, right? And that appointee designates the time. It says, okay, 
I have appointed this time, and it's going to last from X time, and it will end at X time. So who, read it again, there is an appointed time for everything, okay? And there is a time for every event under heaven. Who appoints the time? Well, you can guess, but we need to know from the scripture, right? So Daniel 2.21 says, God changes times and seasons. God appoints the time. God is the appointee. So you need to understand, you can emphatically, based on the word of God, say that the time and the season that I am living in has been appointed by God. It has a beginning, and it inevitably has an end. So no matter what season of life you're living in, no matter what spiritual season you've appraised, God has appointed it, it has a beginning, and it has an end. And understand, it is spiritually appraised. You have, we've, got, we've, there, we, we've got to teach, and we've got to go through the, the process of learning how to appraise things. Right? We know what I said, if, I, if you said if you walked outside and it was winter, one of the ways you can appraise things, like are you, what season am I in, what's going on, I would be uncomfortable. Learn to pay attention when your spirit gets uncomfortable. When your spirit becomes uncomfortable in a situation, you need to learn to pay attention to that and ask God, stop. And ask God, hey, what's going on? Have I, have I correctly appraised the situation or the season that I'm in? Learn to pay attention to that. And we'll talk more about that later. So, so there's an appointed time. So, so, so stay with me. So say God appoints the time, has a beginning, and it has an end. Amen. There is a time to give birth. There is a time to die. There is a time to plant. And there is a time to uproot what has been planted. And we're going to go through all four of those. One of the, one of the things that we've got to do as a um, follower of Jesus is when you emphatically believe and have a solid knowing, okay, and we'll talk about that word knowing later, when you have a solid knowing that God has appointed the time and the season that you are in, we've got to learn to submit to the season. Submit to the season. God has, there, there are things he wants to, you to learn inside the season, as we'll find out later, but submit to the season. The word submit, come up underneath and lift up, embrace the season. In, Matt, in, the, gospel of, in, in the gospels, you can find it in every one where he says embrace the cross. Sometimes, as we'll find out, there's wilderness seasons. There's seasons of death that we walk through. It has a beginning and it has an end, church. You have to learn to embrace. When, when he said embrace the cross, pick up the cross and deny yourself, that was a, you know what he was doing? He was commanding us as his followers to embrace the very instrument that's going to put us to death. It doesn't feel good, but he was asking us to do that as his followers. We've got to learn to submit to the season. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 6 through 10. Now, we're going to talk a lot about um, the Israelites this morning. And this is, this is something really interesting, that whenever you read about the story from Egypt, when they, when they leave Egypt, God performs miracles, parts the Red Sea, uh, uh, sustains them in the wilderness, and then finally gets them to the Promised Land. The Bible in the New Testament tells us that that happened as an example to us. So we can read that and ask God to show us, what does that mean for me now today? So 1 Corinthians 4, 6-10 says, Now these things happened as examples for us, that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. 
Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and to drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Church, the, the, the season of life that the Israelites were in, we have a few specific things that they did. They, they resisted the wilderness. They didn't like it. They resisted the wilderness experience that they were in or the season that they were in. Did you know resisting, resisting the season, and I'll, and I'll show it to you right here at the end, resisting the season of life that God has you in can not only stop prolong, or even, um, call, you, may not, you may never ever get rid of, you can literally prolong the season of life that you're in, especially if it's a wilderness. If you're walking through a wilderness season, resisting it, what did it say here at the end? It said, and let us not complain or grumble as some of them grumbled, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. You know what that means? It literally is saying, you, as a believer as a Christian, if you believe that God has appointed the time, if we understand that, and yet you're going to complain about it, do you know what that in essence is doing? You're inviting the destroyer into your life. Don't complain. That is not a characteristic of the ecclesia, of the called out ones, of you and me. Complaining is not, that is not our, our characteristic. Grumbling is not what we've been called to do. What, what happened to the Israelites when, they, they, when that happened? It said 23,000 fell in one day. God opened up the earth and swallowed them up. It said, don't, don't grumble as some of them grumbled and were destroyed by the destroyer. Church, when we grumble and complain about the situation that we find ourselves in, that openly invites the devil to come work into your life. Now, that may be a hard word, but it's the truth. It's the gospel truth. See, again, go back to how, how do we start this? If there is if there's a activity in your life where there's potentially a squatter's on your front lawn, right? Well, you can, you, can, you can say by the authority and the power of the blood of Jesus, you can tell him to get off, right? You can tell him to get off. But what if that squatter popped his head out and said, no, I have a legal right to be here? Whoa. You'd have to go back and read the book. You'd have to go read the law. You see, grumbling and complaining gives the enemy a legal right to sit on your lawn. Church, we have got to, we have got to live above, right? Do you know what the word holiness means? It means a cut above. He said, be a cut above as I am a cut above. Be holy as I am holy. We've got to learn to live there. So embrace the season. So for those of you who are taking notes, embrace the season. God has got you in the season of life. Don't, don't grumble. Don't complain. In fact, do you know one of the, one of the, one of the weapons of our warfare, the Bible, um, praise and worship, is a, and thankfulness, a grateful heart. That is one of the weapons of our warfare. In the Old Testament, you'll find this story where Jehoshaphat, he was one of the judges in the Old Testament, where he had uh, several kings come against the nation of Israel at the time. And, you know, he sought the Lord, and he said, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord says, gather up, the, gather up the men, but I want you to put the priests, and I want you to put the, um, the, the 
people who are going to worship in, the, in front of the army. So they, they go and they start marching to do battle with the enemy. But on the way, they're praising and worshiping the Lord. And the word says that on the way, as they were doing it, the Lord met the enemy before they even got there, destroyed it. And all they had to do was show up and take the goods. Church, you have to learn about it. For wielding the weapons of your warfare, you, you, you need to understand he has to go. It's not a matter, and the only reason, and let me say, this is why it's so important, the only reason he wouldn't go is because you've given him access into your life. The, and you, you can do that. Did you know you can do that? You can give him access into your life. There is, in the story of Nehemiah, there's this, wonder, there's this wonderful picture of it. Um, Nehemiah, he's rebuilding the gates, right? He's rebuilding the, the city of Jerusalem, and he's, he's standing outside the gates, and there's these uh, merchants, these, like, merchant squatter guys and they come up and they say they're trying to like get into the city and Nehemiah because he was smart and full of the power of the Lord he looked at these men and he said get off my gates and if you don't if you do it again I will do you harm some of you need to look the enemy in the the face and say get off my gates get off my doorstep and if you do it again I'm going to do you harm he has no right to your life He's got no right to your life, none. Jesus already served him the eviction notice. He's already swallowed up death and life. That's done. Church, stop handing things over to him. As you know, you can do it with your, your tongue. Stop giving him words. You see, the Bible says you've been created. I'm sorry, we'll get back to this. But the Bible says that you've been created in the image and likeness of God. And when God spoke, the world came into existence. Stop giving the enemy fuel by, by saying things like, oh, my life sucks, or my finances always do this. Well, you know what? The devil's sitting there listening going, Really? Because I'd love for your life to suck. And I'd love to take your finances and run them down. I'd love, my wife always does this, really? Well, then I'm going to always make sure she does that. Knock it off. Stop talking about your spouse like that. Stop it. Because you know what? The very thing that you want your spouse to stop doing, you're letting the enemy sit on your marriage because you gave him access to. And you say, well, why is this happening? Because you said it could. You said it could. You gave him the ability to. Stop it. Start blessing your wife. Start blessing your finances. Look, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Crazy like, you know, look, you, the, listen, we're in America. You have to work. The Bible says if you, no, man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. We have to learn to work hard, okay? But let me just tell you something. God will bless your work. God will bless your finances. God will bless your marriage because you've been bought with a price. You are covered in the shadow of his wings. You are sitting in the shadow of the Almighty, Learn to stop giving the enemy access into the covering. Stop it. Where was I? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So one of the one of the things that we always like, okay. Why, why, right? Why do I have to go through hard things in my life? Why is this a wilderness season? So if there's seasons, if, if seasons start and seasons end, why do I have to go through the wilderness? What's the point? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you the point. Three things, to be led, to be humbled, and to be tested. That's why God's bringing you into the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 10 says, now, this is, can you understand? This is the point where the Israelites have gone through the wilderness, okay? They've spent 40 years in the desert. They have um, spied out the land. And now, no, that's not where this is. So 
this is the point where they're about to enter in and take over the promised land. Okay, so they've already spent the 40 years there. Okay, so they, they're there, and God is speaking to them, and he says, you shall remember all, before they go in, he says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you and testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. Church, did you know that when, just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're trusted yet. We've got to get, when the Lord saves us, we've got to go through, this is just the way it is. I'm sorry, I wish it wasn't like this. I wish it, you know, in talking with pastor, he laid some real good wisdom on it. He said, Andrew, you can't just get saved and go from the, the saving to the, to the blessing in the promised land because you become more involved and in love with the blessing than you do the blesser. You see, Jesus God took the people of Israel through that wilderness so that when they got into the blessing, they would not just get so wrapped up and consumed with it. See, when you're in a blessing season, when it's time to be blessed and you're moving in there, you know, you don't need to necessarily seek God as much as you did before because the blessing is there. You get, it's all there, you know? Like, if you, you have plenty of finances, you have, you know, there's gas in the car, there's food on the table, work is good, getting raises, getting promoted, you know, life is good, I'm in blessing mode. What do I need God for? You see, that's, and you say, well, I wouldn't be like that. Oh, we would. Well, that's exactly how we would be like, because we're human beings, and if you don't think so, the Israelites were human beings, and that was their condition, that's the condition of the human being. So God has to take us through these wilderness seasons to learn to be led. Do you know how valuable and precious it is to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit? That is probably one of the highest prices to be paid because it costs you something. It costs you to go through this death mode. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable. It sucks. But did you know that it is the very thing that will sustain you because there are seasons, just like there's winter, summer, fall, then winter's always back. You don't just get to go through winter one time. When you learn to be led by the Holy Spirit through the winter, guess what? Summer comes and winter's right back on its way again. And the lessons you learned in the prior season, they're going to be brought into, expounded upon, and taught even in a greater depth in the next one. When we go through the wilderness season, and let, and let me just say, this, this could be anything. That's why you've got to learn to appraise the season that you're in. It could be manifested in a thousand different ways. It could be manifested in your marriage. It could be manifested in your job. It could be manifested in your health. Now, you say, well, Andrew, God, God promised me blushing. God promised me this. He did. He did promise you all of that. But you're also, are you going to let the enemy steal that from you or not? Are you going to learn to do battle with the enemy or not? Do you realize that when, when God promised you something, he said he promises you um, health. That is a promise, health. He's bought that for you. But are you going to stand for that or not? See, the Bible tells us to stand, therefore, having resisted the enemy, having done everything to therefore stand. We've got to stand for those things. Those are our promises. But when you've been taught Okay, see, because when you've been taught through the season of life, when God takes you through that season of death, there's a time for this, there's a time for this, there's a time for this church. There's a time to be taught how to embrace the cross, and there's a time for that. God, God, God can then trust you because he knows that you're going to stand. You see, there's always heavy lifting that's going to be done, and I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Tell me, to, tell me to hold me back, 
pull me back, somebody. Okay, so for these four years, he might humble you. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Think of some characteristics of the wilderness, right? If you look up the definition of the wilderness, I didn't find one that I really, really liked. But if you look up the definition, you know, if, let, let's make our own here. So if you think about the characteristics of the Israelites' wilderness, okay, we do know from the scripture that there was little water, that there was little to no food, and uh, that there was likely not a lot of vegetation, right, um, from where they were going. And I'm, I'm sure... You can go research exactly where they went and everything, but I'm just taking the environment from the scripture, and we know that because the Bible says that God had to provide them water. God had to provide them manna every day, right? So those things, imagine, imagine that. Imagine going through that. How many of you can relate to that experience? It's like, God, I just need you to help me out today. I just need to get through today. Did you know that's a very biblical prayer? Give me this day my daily bread. Give it to me today. Sustain me for the day. When we learn to do that, when we learn to live today, he said, take no thought for tomorrow. When you're in these seasons of death, you learn to live in today. And you learn to live in God's substance for today. There's a, there, when, I, when I wake up in the morning and I open up my Bible, and I'm not perfect. I don't want you to, you know, I, there are days I don't read my Bible. Don't tell pastor that. I'm just teasing, okay? But... <laughs> There, 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 when I open up my Bible, okay, you know how many times my wife and I just laugh about those all the time? We open it and read it, and it's like, I have no idea. Like, I, I'm just, like, lost. I'm, like, kind of like a little kid, like, Lord, where do you want? Because I've learned that unless God is going to feed my spirit through his word, I'm kind of just flipping around, right? So you've got to ask him. You know, he, he taught me years ago. He said, Andrew, start asking me. It was exactly how I told you to pray. Give me this day my daily bread. So I encourage you, when you open up your Bible tomorrow morning, say, Father, give me my daily bread today. Because your spirit will then be filled up. And, you, and then you'll have what you need, the substance for the day. There's a season for that church to learn how to depend upon him in each and every moment. And that's okay, and it's biblical, and it's exactly where God wants you. Verse 4, your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are able to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you. Another word for discipline uh, is training. The Lord your God was training you just as a man trains or disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep all the commandments of the Lord, bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, fountains and springs. Listen, when God's taking you through this season of the wilderness, if you've learned to appraise it in the spirit and you say, God, I am in a season of wilderness, he's training you. He's training you. Submit to that training. Remember, the characteristic of the called out ones is not to complain. It's not to complain and give the enemy access. No, the characteristic is to submit to that and say, Lord, I don't, you see the beginning from the end, I do not. I, I see and sense in my spirit that I am in a wilderness season. So Lord, I ask that you would help me to submit to the training, help me to be trained. Did you know, listen to this, the, uh, David, King David, right, before he became king, before he um, faced off with Goliath, you want to know what he said to Saul? So 
Let's just back up and tell a story here. So David, King David, he's just a shepherd boy. He's doing his thing out in the pasture. And then he goes to give food to um, uh, his brothers that are in the army. And they're there standing and facing off with the Philistines. David gets there and he's all like, who is this guy, Goliath? Goliath's up there just making fun of the people of God. And David stands up and goes, who is this guy? Who is this guy who's standing up against God's army? And he goes back to King Saul and says, hey, I, I'll take this guy down for you. And, and now just play this out in your mind. This always was just so mind-blowing to me. I always thought, God, if I was King Saul and Pipsqueak came up to me and told me he was going to like throw down with Goliath, I'd be like, dude, I, you hear the deal? If you lose, the whole nation of Israel gets to be their slave. I ain't banking on you, bro. Sorry. You know? <laughs> I'd be like, give him a spanking and send him home. That's probably what I would have done, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, like that's like a big deal, okay. So King Saul goes, okay, wait a minute. No, you're just a little kid. And you know know what David says? I've been trained to do this, Saul. He says, I've faced off with the lion and I've faced off with the bear. Do you know how unfun it was probably for David to be out in the pasture all by himself month after month? going back to see dad, getting some food, and heading back out to the pasture. That was not fun for him. And he had to sit there and minister to God. The Bible says that he learned how to play the harp and sing songs to God. And he ministered to God, and he created this intimate relationship with God. It probably was not very glorious, very fun. But, you know, he was trained by God in the season of his life because he submitted to it. And then when the time came for him to face off Goliath, he had the confidence that he needed, dropped the devil to the ground, and God moved him on to the next season of his life. Church, we've got to learn to submit to the season that God has us because it has a beginning and it has an end. And when that end comes, God's going to emphatically start you on the next season. Are you ready for that? Ask yourself that question. Have I been submitting myself to the season that I am? And am I ready to move on to the next? So, let's, okay, so let's move on. R- resisting the season, the cross can prolong the season, and it can even stop the blessing and God calling that God has on your life. It can. And let me give you a biblical example. If you go read Numbers 14, you, you have this uh, description of um, God, God's people, the Israelites at the time, they were resisting. It says they were grumbling against God because they, just, they, they thought they, they sent the spies into the land and they said, hey, there's these big giants there. Has God brought us all this way just to let us be destroyed? And, and understand, it's, if you go read the definition of the giants there, I mean, these were 12 or 15 feet dudes, right? And there was a lot of them, you know? So they had this uh, stigma that God, you know, after all the things that God was training them to do, the season that they were in, they got to the, what they thought was the end of that season and they buckled, and they said, God, I don't think God's going to be able to do this. As they really let us all the way out here. God comes down and says, Moses, I'm going to just destroy them all. I've had it with them. I've, I've, I, did the, I did the plagues in Egypt. I parted the Red Sea. I've been feeding them every day miraculously. I gave them water in the desert. And now here they are, and they really don't think that I can overcome these pipsqueaks in the land. And God says, I'm going to take him out. And Moses prays, and he says, no, God, please. And God said, Moses, I'm even going to make a, which this is interesting and unrelated to the sermon, but it's interesting. God, Moses, God says to Moses, he says, 
I'm going to make a nation out of you instead. I'm going to wipe them out, and I'm going to start over, and I'll make a nation out of you. Moses then drops to his knees, and for the next 10 verses, pleads with God. So God stops and goes, okay, I'm not going to do it, but understand that every, everyone 20 years old and older is not entering into the promised land. It's done. So then God has to understand, resisting the season of life can, or resisting God's training or his season in of training in your life can cut it off, can stop it, or it can drag on for another 40 years and you may never get to the place where God called you to be. Stop resisting the season that God has, has you in. My, I, I always laugh whenever I think of this because my... When I, growing up there, you ever have your parents say something to you, you look back and you're like, yeah, that was cheesy, but boy, it just sticks with you, you know, for like a long time. My mother used to call this thing going around the mountain because if you look at like the Israelites, like that's pretty much what they did, right? They just kind of in the 40 years, they just kind of there. Well, because they didn't get it, they didn't get it, so they just kept going around and going around and going around. See, God wants you to get it. He wants you to submit to the training, understand that, yeah, the wilderness isn't fun, but it's for you. It's for you, and it's so that you can get to the blessing, that you can get to the promised land. You follow me? Amen? So Hebrews 3, 8 through 11. says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. There is a a very real possibility, because again, we are the human natures, is that instead of being having a soft heart towards God in the season of wilderness, you can have a hard heart towards him and provoke him. Don't do that. Don't resist the season. Have a soft heart towards God. Where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years... Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. That's a big deal. The God Almighty pronounces something over the people of Israel and says, they always. That's a definitive statement, church. They always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. And we're going to zone in on this word know for a second. Did you know the word know? It actually has a very intimate um, meaning with it. When you learn, while you're learning the ways of God, and you learn that there are seasons that we go through spiritually, there are seasons of death, there are seasons of life, there are seasons of warfare, there are seasons of peace and rest. And you know what God says about those seasons or those people that have learned to be at rest in those seasons? They say, no. You see, if... if uh, I'll give you an example of my wife. If we're um, doing something or if we're, like they say we're going to meet up for dinner somewhere, right? Or we're going to go hang out with friends. I know my wife, okay? She'd rather, she would rather me just let her make the plans for dinner, right? Or she would rather me just let her talk with so-and-so to set up the time. She doesn't really want me to, you know, get in and be like, okay, I think this is what we should do, blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, we're going, this is where we're going, this is who we're hanging out with. Like, okay, yes, ma'am, you know. <laughs> See, I know I'm intimately acquainted with my wife in that way. I understand her ways. See, when you understand God's ways that he takes us through wilderness seasons, you, you, you have to understand that in order to be um, submissive to that time in your life. 
knowing God's ways and asking him, you know, church, we, we need to do a better, a better job of just asking God, Lord, help me understand this. Help me understand this. Did you know that he sent the Holy Spirit to Paraclete to help you understand this? God's word is not a mystery to us anymore. It's not a mystery to you and I. Because we have the paraclete, the helper, to come alongside us and do it. Ask God, show me. What does that mean? Show me, show me your reality. Show me the life of God here in this scripture. He wants you to ask him. He wants you to ask him. So, verse 11, he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. Resisting the season of God in your life. He said it, I didn't, okay? Understand, this isn't me getting all weird. This is the word of God that said, I had the promised land for them. They resisted me. I swore in my wrath they would never enter in. So he cut an entire generation off because of the ungrateful heart, because of the untrusting. It's a warning to us, church. A time to be born. Only certain things... When God, when God changes seasons, okay, when God changes seasons, how, okay, let me ask you this. Going back to the, the mowing my lawn, okay, if you see me out there mowing my lawn, right, and maybe I'm not fully decked out inside my winter clothes, right, but I'm mowing my lawn, and I've got my winter gloves on and my winter hat, everything else, I got my flip-flops, everything else is just totally summer, right, ready to go, shorts, that's how I mow my lawn, at least, in my flip-flops, so I'm, I'm out there doing that, you'd say, that dude brought some unnecessary things from the previous season into the next. 2 Kings 2.13. So let me set this up for you a little bit. I'm going to have to speed up a little bit. Oh, never mind. I'm good. So um, so Elijah and Elisha, two of the major prophets in the Old Testament, they're getting to the end of Elijah's life and the end of his ministry. And uh, Elisha is following Elijah through the Jordan River and to where they know, like they have many prophets along the way that are prophesying, God is about to take Elijah in a whirlwind, take him right off the earth. On their way there, Elisha says to Elijah, he says, I want a double portion of, of the power or the ministry that you have. I want God to do twice as much for me as he did for you. Elijah looked at him and said, do you know what you're asking? You're asking a hard thing. He said, I know what I'm asking. So they continue through the Jordan. God then, in a whirlwind, he starts to take Elijah off. And Elijah says, if you can see me when I go, you can have a double portion. So Elisha's standing there. The whirlwind comes. A chariot comes, takes him away. Elisha sees the whole thing. So let's pick this up in verse 13. He says, he also, 2 Kings 2.13, he also took up the mantle that fell, from, that fell from Elijah and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Church, when God removed Elijah, okay, who represented God's ministry at the time, removed him off, he was ending a season. The, there was only a portion of that season that was going to move into the next, and it was Elijah's mantle. Not everything that God used in a previous season when he ends it is going to make it into the next season. The mantle represents the power and authority of God. That was moving into the next season, church. God was letting that go inside the next season. And one, one of the things, and you can, you can thank Pastor Matt for this, and this is really good. I really wanted to, 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 uh, to talk about this. If you go look at the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, they're really quite different, even though 
there's some similarities in them. Elijah was a ministry was completely all the miracles that he did. He brought down fire. He he stopped the rain for months on end. There was judgment involved with him. Now, when you move on to Elisha's ministry, there was mercy involved. Elijah stood outside the city and ran from Jezebel. Elisha was consulted by the kings. There was uh, twice as many minute, twice as many miracles done under Elisha than there was Elijah. God. And this is really important and a very important thing to understand about the changing of seasons. When there was not a need, because the season was over, there was not a need for the judgment anymore. The heavy lifting had been done by a man. The heavy lifting had been done by the previous season. By the previous man. Church, when God changes seasons, we've got to be submissive to the the changing of the seasons. Only certain things can come. You've got to learn to leave everything behind you. Everything that God is not moving into the next season. Amen. So I want to lay this before you. I had, um, I had this dream. And I, I was in the dream. I, I was very short. I was sitting there in my office working. And this individual um, whom I knew came up to me and said, Andrew, Billy Graham died today. And then this person started weeping. Then that, then the dream ended. Well, three days later, I'm sitting in my office, and this person comes in and goes, hey, did you know Billy Graham died today? Same person, same dream. And I was like, whoa. So I went back, and I asked my wife. I told it to her, um, and we sat and prayed about it. The Lord, and this is what I believe, and I lay this before you, that, that what the Lord had spoke, that there's, there's a changing of seasons in the body of Christ. We don't say what you want about Billy Graham, but he was a man used by God to change the face of the earth in the last 50 years. God, when he takes something off the earth, he said, yeah, I remember specifically as clearly as I could get, the world doesn't know what it just lost today, but it's okay because the mantle is floating back down. Church, we are moving into a season where I believe we'll see some of the most amazing things that we've seen in the last hundred years. However, you know one thing I specifically feel we need to pray for? We need to pray for the evangelistic gifting. It is the forerunner. It is the gift that God uses. He said, I departed and gave gifts to men. We've got to pray that God uses that that takes that up, pray for that gifting. The Lord cultivates it, protects it, that the mantle is taken up and lives are changed. Amen. Okay, so let's wrap this up. So uh, Luke 21, 36. Um, through every season of life, through every season of life, there is one thing that the Lord particularly tells us to do, one thing that can come in and out of every season. It says, watch also at every season, praying that you have the strength to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Church, the word watch means to be circumspect, to be alert. Our responsibility, just because it's summertime, doesn't mean that I'm not going to be alert and stop going to work. No, every season, the commandment from God is to be alert and to watch and to pray, therefore. Patricia, I want to encourage you that that is our position in every season, to be watchful and to be praying. And one final thing before we wrap this up. I was, um, in, in John 15, you find this, you find this, um, this allegory where Jesus begins to teach about being a vine and the vine dresser. He says that every branch that bears fruit, I cut off that they might bear more fruit. Church, 
in Ecclesiastes it says a time to plant and a time to uproot. The word uproot means just that, taking something out, and it also has cutting. There is a season of pruning back in your life. You may have seen lots of success. You may have been in a season where things have just been really good, but now things seem to be cutting back and things don't seem to be working as well as they're supposed to be. Ask God if you're in a pruning season. Because you know the reason God prunes us is just so that we can do greater things, so that more fruit can come. Submit to the season, church. I was, uh, when, I, when I, I've worked for the same company for 12 years now, and when I moved um, from a uh, floor, from being on the manufacturing floor to overseeing manufacturing, I was one of the top performers every year in this particular work center. Well, the, the very week that I became a supervisor, I started overseeing the area, and there was a need to run one of these machines again. So I naturally said, okay, that's fine, I'll go run the machine. So I get in to run the machine, and let me just tell you something, church. It was one of the most amazing and painful nights of my life because it was like I didn't even know what I was doing. I ran this machine all night long, and it was like painful. I couldn't get anything to work right. It was awful. So I wake up the next morning, and my mother, bless her, she made this very off-the-cuff comment that kind of irritated me, but then I was like, yeah, that's probably right. She goes, well, you probably didn't have grace to do that anymore. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Well, I started to pray into it, and I felt like the Lord said, Andrew, that season of your life is done. You don't, that, you, you don't get to do that anymore. You don't have to do the work. You oversee the work. Start asking God for grace to be in the season that you're in. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're at work or if you work in the church. If you're a student, ask God for, Lord, I want the grace to do the season that I'm in. Stop trying to live in a past season because it's done. It's done. When that season ends... God gives grace for the new season. Ephesians 4.17 says God has given us appropriation or he's, he's, he's given us grace and appropriated it for every time. So learn to live by the grace that, you're, that, that you have today. Amen. So let's pray. And I want to, as we bring this to a close, I want to just pray for those of you that just really want God's insight and revelation and to be able to spiritually appraise the season that you're in. God wants to show that to you. That's his desire to show it to you, to show you that the season, what season that you're in. So let's, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, and I just ask that the word that's gone forth today, that it would not return to you void. Father, it would go forth and that it would bear much fruit. Father, I pray for your protection over it. Lord, I pray for protection over um, everyone here in this room. I just ask in Jesus' name that you would allow the word to grow and that it would, uh, it would find its way into good ground, Lord, in Jesus' name. I just pray that you would specifically, Lord, begin to reveal to each and every one of us, Lord, not only corporately where we are as the body of Christ, what season the body or the church is in, but each one of us have a season of life that we're moving through. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to spiritually appraise it. Lord, because we are spiritual beings, and I just ask that you would give us that help and that revelation and that grace in Jesus' name. Now, church, I also want to give you the opportunity, if you don't know God, if there is uh, anyone in the room that says, you know, this is great, this sounds really cool, but I don't even know the Lord. I don't even know that I'm born again and that my spirit's alive. I want to give you the opportunity to know, to know him today because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I believe that today that can be you and that God can give that to you. So I want everyone to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner but you came for me. You died for me so that I could be with you. 
I believe you did. And I'm confessing now that I want you to take my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thanks for being so attentive to the word. Please stand and worship with us. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.